eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of another Dolphins podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. We are getting into 10 headlines from training camp. But before that, before we get into all the excitement, Tua's wearing a Polaroid. Liam Eikenberg is in an orange jersey. Before we talk about all that, I have to introduce Merrick. I have to introduce Josh. And I have a very, very important question. Is Baby Gronk the new Drip King? (laughs) Uh, That kid... Did you, you're probably too young, Jake, but how, have you ever heard of, uh, what was it? Young Hercules or kid Hercules or whatever, the body, you know, him, the bodybuilding 10 year old who was like his dad, like put him on steroids when he was like three years old and this kid got super jacked. And, and that's the, that's baby Gronk. That's this kid. His dad made him some sort of social media celebrity, which is just, that's not good, not good business as a father. I don't know what the hype is about, but if his dad wants you know me to make a highlight or something for him, hit me up in my DMs. <laughs> See the issue here, you both avoided the question. Is he the new drip king? I'm not I, even sure what that means being my age. I'm I'm thirty six. Yeah. What the hell does that even mean? Like uh I saw some gymnast or something got him to go to LSU. What was that all about? We're getting too deep into it. I don't I don't know that far into it. Sounds um, like a crime. <laughs> It's just crazy, man. We got a 10-year-old calling him. So this this 10-year-old didn't even watch Gronk play. What, you think he's going to absorb football content when he's eight years old? This guy is not – this kid has not seen Gronk play. Uh, yeah, crazy story. Welcome to 2023. Here we are. But, guys, I just wanted to set the tone here for a very interesting show we have because we're entering that dry spell of the NFL season from, you know, early June until training camp starts up late-ish July – it's going to be a dead period, but before we get into that dead period, training camp is in the book, so I thought it'd be a good opportunity for us to compare notes and uh, talk about some of the headlines we're seeing. So guys, I want to start it off with the most important thing. Uh, have you guys been able to find the live stream link to watch practice via Tua's Polaroided camera <laughs> um, helmet? Because that that must be must-view uh, live streaming, right? 
Now, you know who Baby Hercules is, but have you ever used a Polaroid camera? Be honest. Uh, disposable is probably as far back as I go. Disposable, yeah, with the click wheel, you had to you had to rewind it. Hopefully, you didn't miss whatever you're trying to shoot. Yeah, my mom had a po- my mom had a Polaroid when I was a kid, so you know, got to use it a little bit. And uh, I just want to say that the Outcast song, "Shake It Like a Polaroid Picture," you're not supposed to do that. You're actually not supposed to shake the Polaroid pictures; like it'll ruin them. Right? I think <laughs> not quite, not quite that. Uh, that elaborate of a setup there, but uh, definitely don't shake it. I like to a Polaroid o Viola. I think he looked cool with that on his head. And um, yeah, I'm old enough to remember when we had Polaroid cameras. If you find a live stream though for that, Jake, I would pay good money. I mean, I'm already buying Sunday ticket, Game Pass, different things like that. I would absolutely pay money to watch OTAs, mini camps, and uh, you know, training camp, which is on the horizon. Now, now a Polaroid camera—that's the one where a light bulb breaks every time you take a picture, right? <laughs> Yeah, and the smoke and you got to stand still for like 20 minutes yeah and you have to have a handlebar mustache to be photographed with one so josh is actually okay right now he can slacking yeah yeah he can he can be photographed today it'd probably take me a week to get mine out to that length and then jake we'll catch you in about 10 years that's that's being too kind to me you i'm never gonna exist in that world but to kind of reel this in why on earth was tua wearing a polaroid camera during practice well it's kind of a uh outgrow let's say of that where everyone was a little riled up because early on in these training camp practices tua was wearing a camera on the side of his head and a lot of people i don't know why thought that that was a bad idea but merrick you you see uh, a webcam on someone's helmet i mean what's the first thing that goes through your mind I literally, you know, probably saw the tweet or the picture as soon as everybody else did just scroll in Twitter. And then I didn't think about it for another second because it's literally not news. But anything, anything, you know, I stand corrected. Anything regarding Tua Tungavailoa is news. uh, And those haters come out of the woodwork at at every opportunity. And they use that as a as a chance to to bash the, the quarterback. But then immediately, you know. Uh, all these two stands come to his defense and they tweet out pictures of Tom Brady with the camera on his head. And I think Baker Mayfield had a camera on his on his helmet. Yeah, it's just I mean, it's not a new thing. And anything that can help make your quarterback better should be embraced by the fan base. Uh, and maybe it was. And I, I saw plenty of Dolphins fans who were, were kind of crapping on the move there. And then, uh, of course, rival teams fans were were really jumping in on that one. But, I mean, to me, it was non-news that got made into news. And then I did actually really like Tua's response by taping the, the Polaroid camera. And we don't know if that was his idea. It definitely sounds like a Mike McDaniel move, don't you think, where he would he'd play a little joke on him that way. But uh, I think the fact that the team and Tua himself – was able to laugh it off. I think that's that's a nice positive sign, and it shows that he's willing to, you know, laugh at himself and take these things in stride, take it with a grain of salt, and uh, and move on with his life. And then we can all move on with our lives as well. The camera gate is over. 
Yeah, camera gate's over. Now we're on to vape gate. I don't know if we'll talk about that at all. But um, my first thing was I thought it was awesome. Look kind of like Inspector Gadget with that thing on the side of his head. I think Mike McDaniel said it's been around since like the early 2000s. But uh, yeah, like you mentioned, two of haters immediately. Here's the only quarterback in the league that needs this camera on the side of his helmet and this, that, and the other thing. I love that he came out and trolled the hell out of everybody with a Polaroid. I mean, you saw the picture. He was genuinely cracking his ass off because he had this big Polaroid camera on his helmet. And I think it just goes to the growth that we've seen from Tua Tungvaluli. I remember when... And there were practice clips of him with Brian Flores. I mean, they looked like they were, you know, running around and doing, doing, yeah, doing practice in the army or like someone just, um, you know, something bad just happened. So um, it shows the growth with Tua Tagovailoa, and I guess his a lot of his personality is coming out. But dude, how heavy do you think that Polaroid camera was strapped to his head? I mean, that was pretty damn cool. <laughs> he's he's training to be a NASCAR driver. Right? That's that's one of the biggest thing NASCAR drivers do. You got to work the neck muscles because by lap, I don't know, they do like five thousand laps. So by lap, like three thousand, like your neck, it's not something you can push through. Your your head will just literally start to fall over. It's just the muscles wear out. Something I do want the videos, though. We we do need to get the video highlights of that, right? They need to post on social media or just a couple clips of him, you know, what he sees, because that, that'd be cool as shit. Reminds me of ESPN NFL 2K5, where they had that uh, first-person view where you could uh, oh, yeah. see the helmet and everything. It was pretty sick. Well, you're the video guy, Josh. I'm surprised you didn't already hack that. I was going to say it's Bluetooth, right? I mean, no, no one uses wires anymore, so, so that thing could definitely be hacked. And so, an interesting part of this that I don't think we're talking enough about, and I think it's actually pretty important, is after the fact, talking about this camera, they didn't do it for Tua. They did it for the other quarterbacks to look at what Tua's looking at so they could work through their progressions, the Mike Whites and Skylar Thompsons of the world. And to me, that, that kind of is a breath of fresh air that they're kind of building up the other quarterbacks. This wasn't even a Tua-type thing, uh, but obviously everyone's going to make it that way. And guys, moving on to number two here. Um, Mike McDaniel wasn't born yesterday, and that was his response to a question regarding the release of Delvin Cook by the Minnesota Vikings. This is no new news, uh, but Merrick, as he's in, he's been pseudo-released kind of in a way where they said if they can't trade him, they're going to release him. But I mean, they, they've been kind of saying this for months now. Uh, how do you how do you feel knowing now that, that uh, Delvin Cook is seriously in the hunt for a new team? Well, before we get into Dalvin Cook, I think we have to mention the fact that Mike McDaniel messed up his own birthday, according no to <laughs> according to sources. Uh, I think Chris Perk came out today and said that Mike McDaniel actually messed his own birthday up. He said it was March third, nineteen eighty three, when his actual birthday is March sixth, nineteen eighty three. I don't know vape. how that happened. It's the vape. <laughs> it's what's in that vape you know <laughs> that's what we want to know we need to know what what strain is in that thing but uh i thought that was kind of funny i wanted to make mention of it but as far as dalvin cook goes yeah certainly he he i mean if you look at all the betting sites right the dolphins have the best odds to land dalvin cook either solo or or tied with another team i know i know somebody said uh one of the sites had them tied with Buffalo for the best odds to get Dalvin. I actually do think Dalvin ends up as a Buffalo Bill so he can play alongside his brother. They seem really close. And it looks and Buffalo kind of, you know, they signed Damian Harris, I believe, uh, in the offseason. They have James Cook they want to give a bigger role to. But I think Buffalo is, um, you know, a logical landing place for him. A lot of people say Miami. You know, he Miami's the favorite right now. And Dalvin wants to play in Miami. If you read the tea leaves and you really don't even have to read them that deeply, it's, it's, it's pretty obvious. Dalvin wants to be in Miami, you know, uh, Nick Hicks to his trainer also trains Dalvin cook. And he's been dropping a lot of breadcrumbs on the Twitter. If you, if you follow it there, I just, for me personally, 
I don't think it happens. I don't think Dalvin Cook ends up as a Miami Dolphin. I think when Mike McDaniel was as jazzed up about the Devon A-chain draft selection uh, as he was visibly on camera. You saw him pump his fist like like Tiger Woods on the 18th green there. Yeah, so – and the fact that Devon A-chain has reportedly, you know, a little, little teaser, a little foreshadowing here from one of our other bullet points. Devon A-chain has been been tearing it up on the practice field by all accounts. He's he's looked as advertised, fast as hell, pass catching back out there making, you know, some amazing catches. I think if you bring in a Dalvin Cook now, considering you still have Raheem Mostert, you still have Jeff Wilson Jr., and you want to get Devon A-chain your third-round rookie snaps – I think that's kind of a, you know, it's prohibitive. It it takes Devon A-Chain off the field. It takes Raheem Mostert off the field. And he's a good player. Dalvin Cook's a great player. Uh, I just don't think the Dolphins really need him right now. And it feels weird to say that. No, this superstar player, the Dolphins don't need him. We're good there. But that's just kind of how I feel. So does he end up a Dolphin? Maybe. In my opinion, if I were the GM of the team, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do it. Not at... I guess there's a price point where I'd be comfortable, but not at the 10 million that's rumored that he's looking for. Yeah, I completely agree. It's more of a luxury signing. If you go out there and get Dalvin Cook, we know he's making what 11 million, I believe, with the Minnesota Vikings. A lot of people think he's going to take this crazy hometown discount, and they talk about state taxes and things like that. It's not going to be that significant of a difference, you know, to make him choose Miami for you know six, seven million over you know whether it's Buffalo or the Jets. I know they've been heavily linked to him. I saw him liking tweets about the Jets. I think you know with Brees Hall's injury. He may be able to fit in there. So I don't know where Dalvin Cook ends up, but I think you're right when you mentioned him being uh, someone I guess this room doesn't need. You got Raheem Mostert. You got Jeff Wilson. We hear about Devon Achin and how promising he's looked. I mean, it's crazy to say you don't need Dalvin Cook, but I would rather see Devon Achin out there. I mean, he's kind of that young, explosive playmaker, can be a pass catcher just like Dalvin Cook. But then at the same time, you add Dalvin Cook to that offense and what he can do, another chef in that backfield. I mean, I can just picture Mike McDaniel being that mastermind. And we've seen him before, right? You know, almost redshirt some of these young players. We saw that as a coma last season. Maybe they're not that crazy about getting HN out there rookie season because they already know what he's capable of having return kicks do things like that be that little mismatch it maybe gets you know 10 or some plays a, a game but overall I think heading into this year I don't know that the Dolphins need Dalvin Cook and again bringing him in he's going to make more than that entire running back room combined so uh, we'll see what happens I know Jake posted a nice tweet with a bunch of players that the Dolphins should allocate that money towards so uh, Jake, why don't you enlighten us on what you do? Because, again, I think we can all agree Dalvin Cook would be more of a luxury pick, and there are other guys that want that money. So we absorb – or we live in a world where it's it's Miami Dolphins-oriented, right? Everything we do – I mean, look at look at Merrick's room. Look at what Josh is wearing. Look at my – I mean, it's all Miami Dolphins. Uh, my first question is I wonder how old these tea leaves are. I mean, Merrick, you were spot on. Nick Hicks was saying things. There are reports coming out now that were saying the Miami Dolphins were interested in Dalvin Cook in March before the draft. So now that things are coming out, now that Delvin cook is still available, how old are the tea leaves of Miami's interest? That to me is number one. That that's the first thing, because I do see such an issue of, you know, you, you bring back Mostert, you bring back Jeff Wilson and you tell these guys, like, we want to build around you guys. You bring in a chain to be that, um, you know, third horse in the race. What does that do to the locker room? If you bring in another guy, obviously it's a great feel good story um, with Delvin cook. Let's take another step back. Let's say we're at the 10,000-foot view, staring down at it. Delvin Cook posted yesterday a picture on Instagram where he was, like, dancing in Hard Rock Stadium. 
And obviously everyone looks at Hard Rock Stadium and tries to connect that. But guys, the Minnesota Vikings, they went 13-4 and last year, and they just started cleansing their entire roster. They're getting rid of all their foundational pieces. Harrison Smith took a huge pay cut. Adam Thielen is gone. Um, I just wonder if, like the rest of us, Delvin Cook, he heard all the negative things coming out, and he just wants to be wanted. Maybe it's that simple. He just wants to be that guy dancing in an NFL stadium as someone who wants to feel wanted, wants to be appreciated by a team. And maybe he doesn't care what that is. He just wants to go back to being happy. And that game in Miami, I mean, he tore it up. He's from the area. So obviously he was at a sky high moment. And I just wonder if this is a situation where we can read it as he wants to join the Dolphins. But I think we could also read it in the idea of this is just someone who he wants to walk into an organization that is like, hey, we're so excited to have you. You're a great player and we can't wait to move forward with you. Yeah, I definitely think there's something to that. I definitely do also think Dalvin Cook wants to be in Miami. He's from South Florida. He wants to come home. But I'm not reading anything from that picture you were referencing that he put out on his Instagram yesterday, all excited after a win in Hard Rock Stadium. Listen, some team is going to want Dalvin Cook more than the Miami Dolphins want Dalvin Cook. There's already reports out there that a couple teams are willing to spend big on Dalvin Cook. And I don't think the Dolphins are one of those two teams. So if the Dolphins sit there and say, Dalvin, we'll bring you in one year, three million, fully guaranteed, and then, you know, let's say the Dallas Cowboys who don't have Ezekiel Elliott anymore as of right now, they may end up re-signing him. Uh, And they're rolling with Tony Pollard, who's coming off, I believe a torn ACL. Maybe they look at Dalvin cook and say, Hey, we'll give you one year, 8 million or one year, 9 million. You know, what are you going to do if you're Dalvin? Are you going to leave five or $6 million on the table just because you really like the beaches of South Florida? It's not going to happen. He's a businessman at the end of the day. He's 27 years old. He'll have plenty of years left to sit on those sandy beaches in Miami with an additional five or six million dollars in his pockets, too. I just don't think it's happening. Yeah, I I mean, I think we'd all be ecstatic if they get Dalvin Cook, because, again, it's not our money. But I just don't know that it's a necessary, you know, a necessity that they need. And I do think, like you both have mentioned, there's going to be another team willing to pay him that bag. And I know a lot of people keep saying he's not going to go to Buffalo to take his brother's carries away. Why would he not want to play alongside his brother for the Buffalo Bills? That's I just on. want to know who's on Twitter right now. Is anyone scrolling just to make sure this this deal hasn't actually I, happened? I, while we're like, I, I tweet, he keeps liking stuff. So I was like, Dalvin, like this if you're coming to the Dolphins. And I haven't been able to pay attention to it at all. So he could, be, <laughs> he could have liked that for all I know. For what it's worth, um, just because we're podcasting, Adam Schefter did just tweet two minutes ago the Vikings officially cut him. I didn't okay. think it was huge news because it's he's First been, like domino. I said, pseudo-cut 17 times now. Uh, Josh, I'm going to slingshot number three right back to you because I want to get your thoughts. Skylar Thompson is outperforming Mike White in camp. Don't read too much into that. It's training camp. There's not a lot going on. Nobody's in pads. But, Josh, I feel like this year compared to last year, the Dolphins actually feel prepared at backup quarterback. Instead of just bringing in Teddy Bridgewater and drafting a seventh-round rookie who's 26 years old, a Teddy Bridgewater who struggled to stay on the field, not only in Miami but elsewhere, all of a sudden we have guys competing and actually looking pretty well, and it feels like Miami's quarterback room is feeling full, especially when you have stuff like the Tua Cam that is helping these guys understand the vision and understand the progression needed to run this offense. Yeah, it's music to my ears because I think we all thought Skylar Thompson looked pretty good last preseason. I mean, we saw some decent, you know, steps taken throughout the year, but he just, you know, looked like a rookie seventh round pick. And to hear he's in there, you know, year two in this offense, 
outplaying Mike White, who a lot of people, you know, thought that was the de facto backup right away, right? They didn't even really give Skylar Thompson a chance. We know teams will be able to carry, what, three quarterbacks this year? Is that not the new rule, I believe? So yeah, mm-hmm. um, to hear this, uh, it's music to my ears, and um, he's not going to push. There might be people out there that would say he might push to a tongue of a low for Q- quarterback one at least last offseason. We definitely would have heard that, but I, I like it. it- Skylar Thompson's a young player. It continues to get better, and he had a lot of uh, regret for the way that some of those games went last year. So I'm excited to see what he can do because like you mentioned, man, it's a lot better than seeing Teddy Bridgewater out there smiling his ass off with a beanie, making all that money. Yeah. So, you know, we mentioned that the the helmet camera was for the benefit of the other quarterbacks. Does this mean Tua is not sharing the helmet cam footage with Mike White? Is he only sharing it with Skylar Thompson? It's like, Mike White, you got to earn this. You're He still, you know, looks at him in Jets colors, maybe. We don't know. But uh, listen. Who's picking these backup quarterbacks? We're always talking about how Chris Greer can't draft an offensive lineman to save his life. But who's picking these backup quarterbacks? Two years ago, Jacoby Brissett? Nope. Last year, Teddy Bridgewater? Nope. This year, Mike White seems to not be going so well, you know, through a couple weeks of practice. And, and Skylar Thompson's out playing him so far. Who's picking these quarterbacks, man? Get better at this. But Teddy I mean, was Teddy was McDaniel, though, right? Wasn't he gu- so happy and gushing over how he was the yes, perfect backup cer- quarterback? Certainly was. And probably Mike White was a McDaniel selection as well, I would imagine. However, let's put this into context. Skylar Thompson has a year in the system. He started a playoff game for the Miami Dolphins last year in this system. He has chemistry with receivers, Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddell, Eric Ezukama, a lot of chemistry with Ezukama. Actually, they were tearing up the preseason last year. So let's not rush to judgment yet. Let's, let's allow Mike white to get more practices in and, and see where he's looking, you know, in August as compared to what he was looking like in late May and early June, there's still plenty of time for him to, uh, to, to show his, uh, show his stuff out there. And I remember reading somewhere that Mike white was more like a gamer anyways, like a guy who maybe wasn't the best in practice, but then yeah, when there it is, when, when the games were, when the balls were live in, in actual games, you know, he turned it on a little bit. I think they always said Cam Wake was was kind of like that as well. Not the best practice player, but, uh, you know, we know. Awesome on game day. So um, we'll see where it shakes out, but I'm not worried about Mike White right now. And, you know, may the best man win, you know? Again, it's I, I think I, I might have worded it wrong at the start. I don't see this as, as Mike White disrespect, but, I mean, I spent a couple of months after the season ended, what you know, asking Skylar Thompson – had a year in the system. He was active every game to start that playoff game. That is valuable, valuable experience. And to say that, you know, if Skylar, again, no pads on, it's not a huge deal, but if Skylar Thompson is outperforming Mike White, I, I definitely think that says more about Skylar Thompson than it does Mike White just from that growth. I mean, we saw Brock Purdy in San Francisco. I hate that we're going to make this comparison forever, but just because they're a later draft pick, we see that this offense is more focused on just understanding it than those physical traits that, you know, a lot of quarterbacks need to succeed in the NFL. So Skylar Thompson, I'm rooted like hell for him, but hey, this is going to be a I'm comfortable with this quarterback room. And I think that's kind of the important thing here. Hopefully Tua stays healthy and no one else sees the field, but you see that they're prepared and that's pretty refreshing. Number four, Eric Ezukama and Robbie Chosen have looked awesome. Josh said that Robbie Chosen with his visor is looking like a space power ranger, which is spot on. And Merrick, let's start with you because the wide receiver three position is a little unique in Miami. Trent Sherfield actually had 50 targets last year. 
so did Mike Gesicki. And we're used to seeing Tua, or we like to call Tua the blackjack dealer, right? Because he's handing out targets to everyone. When you have two guys with 50 targets behind two guys who take up about 20% of the uh, offense each, that doesn't feel really blackjack dealerish. No, I think I think we're about to see a wide receiver three by committee. I did, you know, you and I did a, an episode where on Dolphins Detail on YouTube. Check it out if you haven't already. Dolphins Detail on YouTube. Jake and I breaking down the Miami Dolphins roster. We're getting close to finishing that up ahead of the season. But we did an episode where we talked about who's going to step up as wide receiver three. Obviously, Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle are one and two, more of a one A and one B situation. But wide receiver three, you got Braxton Berrios there. You got Eric Azukama heading into his second year, and then you have Robbie Chosen, who is another speedster for this track team of an offense. And I think the right answer is that there's no right answer because there's also no wrong answer. It's going to be wide wide receiver three by committee. All of those players are going to get their targets. All of those players are going to provide very specific roles. You know, Braxton Berrios in that Wes Welker mode is going to be able to get those short targets, those underneath targets, because he can create separation quickly. Whereas Robbie Chosen is going to be able to, to run those nine routes and get open deep. And we've heard that he's been able to do that a few times uh, in in uh, OTAs and minicamp so far. So Eric Azucama, more of a 50-50 ball type guy, maybe a, a red zone or an end zone target. I think you're going to see all three of those guys get their opportunity to shine at the wide receiver three spot. And I think the Miami Dolphins will be better for it. Yeah, just like with the quarterback situation, this is a good problem to have. You hear Robbie Chosen making tons of plays throughout camp. He sounds like he's hungrier than ever, excited to be here with the Dolphins. Same with Braxton Barrows. I mean, learn under Wes Welker. I mean, this might finally be that year where he becomes that, you know, suave, you know, slot receiver that can work the inside leverage and get open as well as uh, you both mentioned Eric Ezekoma. We've all seen those plays that he's making in camp. He outran, I think, Cam Smith. He beat him on a slant route that looked like it could have been a touchdown again. They were in, you know, shorts and T-shirts and things like that. But um, it's a good problem to have. And when you have 100 targets between, what, Gasicki, Trent Sherfield, now no longer there. Um, yes, you hope a tight end steps up, but they might use – uh, one of these guys in that role. So I hope that, um, you know, I guess I hope to see Robbie Chosen become that playmaker, that speedy guy. I know Merrick was upset that I didn't want DeAndre Hopkins last week because I said Robbie <laughs> Chosen uh, was a lot cheaper of a, you know, a player and all those things. So uh, whoever steps up, um, it's going to be, the, again, that third guy. And when you have these offensive playmakers, I just don't know how defenses are going to come out there and try to defend it because you already got two of the best receivers in football. Now you're adding one of these other guys. I mean, Four wide receiver sets, things like that. It's game over. Mike McDaniel is on part of my take um, actually today, Friday, June 9th. And he mentioned that uh, Wes Wilker low-key loves his wide receivers to block. He loves to be a run-oriented wide receivers coach, which is kind of exciting to hear. So the Dolphins know what type of receivers they want. They want those blocking guys. Eric Ezukoma was drafted by this group. I feel like there has to be something there in terms of the blocking game. Otherwise, I don't know if he'd completely be on the radar. At the same time, Robbie Chosen, I guess there was a report that came out that basically, you know, McDaniel brought him in and said, hey, this is going to be your role. We can't really offer you anything, but if you come in and compete, there's an opportunity. And then you have, you know, Braxton Berrios. Um, he had a little bit of a down year last year, but a solid slot receiver. So it's a real interesting battle where I think you guys are right 
it's going to kind of be dished out separately and we're going to see these guys used in different ways. Uh, but either way, this wide receiver group is really pushing. And I, and I know last year we had a situation where we felt like we had so many wide receivers. Uh, then you had to trade Devontae Parker, Preston Williams, let go. Uh, but man, this is another year where that competition is going to be dire. Number five, Joshua. Xavier Howard is a man of few words, but to use those few words, he came out and said, Noah Igbenogany has been an ascending player. He has a different mindset and he's headed in the right direction for 2023. Yeah. And I feel like we've heard this before from X and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think he, they were hyping Noah Igbenogany up last season as well. So um, I think we can all agree. This is the best defensive coaching staff that we had, you know, in this time, I think Ronaldo Hills working with those guys, really making them playmakers. And we know what Vic Fangio is going to mean to that defense. So, I'm excited to see – I shouldn't say I'm excited. I'm interested to see what no Igbenogany can do. I think he's still, what, 23 years old, still a young player that has plenty of his career left if he does eventually turn that light bulb on. But um, he's battling for snaps behind Cater Kohu and some of those other guys. So I don't know, um, you know, how he fits into this thing, but he's got that speed. He's a different type of cornerback. And, you know, if he can all bring it all together – um, we all were hyped up about no Igbenogany when he got that interception against the Pittsburgh Steelers, right? So um, Iggy Island, let's let's start pushing that propaganda. <laughs> we all see him with his visor on. There's even a Twitter account, uh, Iggy's visor on Twitter. So um, let's see what he can do this season with Vic Fangio. There's no doubt in my mind that you created that Iggy's visor Twitter account, Josh. <laughs> they gave no me a compliment, doubt. so it was definitely me. Yeah, I, I did. <laughs> well, here are my thoughts on this. I don't care. I'm out. I'm out and you're not getting me back in until Iggy actually shows something on the field outside of one game ceiling interception against the Pittsburgh Steelers on uh, primetime last year. I'll tell you what, I, I actually named him as my MVP that week uh, on my Finsider article. And boy, did I receive some backlash for that. <laughs> Let me tell you, Noah Igbenogany, not a big fan favorite in Miami. But, he let up uh, six to eight receptions on targets that game too, which is freaking hilarious. He had <laughs> overall. Uh, overarching theme. And don't break. That was his worst game. <laughs> Arkansas receptions allowed. It's crazy. But he got the pick. But regardless, regardless, I'm out. I don't care. Noah or, or X can say whatever he wants about Igbenogany in in t-shirt and shorts. And I don't care. Until the pads come on, until he's, you know, guarding Tyreek Hill, who hasn't been participating uh, a lot at, at minicamp, according to Mike McDaniel, till he's guarding Jalen Waddle, until he's guarding some of the, the other wide receivers for, from the other teams uh, that the, the Dolphins will be practicing against, until it happens in regular season games, I just don't care. I'm out on Noah Igbenogane. You can't bring me back in until he actually does something on the field. That's it. I, I, I'm, I'm done. I'm done. I don't care. So we're going to start our book clubs next week, and we're going to start with Jalen Ramsey. So I've, I already started digging in, and Raheem Morris with the Rams, they run a similar offense, excuse me, defense to what Vic Fangio is trying to accomplish here. Um, a lot of zone defense, and the Rams still really struggled last year, uh, mostly because they struggled at the wide uh, cornerback three position. It seemed like they had just Jimmy Wilson clones everywhere that would just give up big play after big play. So when we consider the fact that you have Trill Williams and Nick Needham coming back off injuries, you had Cater Kohu play well last year. You still draft Cam Smith and you have Noah Igbenogany. The way this Dolphins defense um, ascends and is that hopefully top 10 unit, I'm not going to ask for too much more because it's kind of crazy. Uh, 
But it's because they need those lockdown cornerbacks. You need to be able to trust those guys to get into those zones and and feel comfortable that they aren't going to get beat. Feel comfortable that, hey, there are going to be plays they don't have extra help. Feel comfortable where there are going to be plays that guy is isolated because you have X and Jalen Ramsey out there. So to me, you have to nail this cornerback three spot. And I think they have enough players where one of them's going to come out and be awesome. And who knows, maybe even, the, you know, the rising tide lifts all ships and all these guys hit the ground running. And Miami has the best cornerback room of all time. Shame on me for not bringing up Cam Smith too. Cam Smith's here too. And he could play on the outside. And I know that we all heard Jalen Ramsey talking about playing a little bit of that star position, which is kind of like a hybrid nickel linebacker spot. And when you look at that tape at the Rams, I mean, he definitely dropped down in that box a lot. So lots of versatility there. I think, you know, whether it's Cater Kohu, Cam Smith, Nick Needham back from his injury. I think one of those guys will step up. And um, we know Vic Fangio plays a lot of nickel. So I'm intrigued to see the way this whole defense comes together. But you're absolutely right, guys. Number six. These training camp practices give us the opportunity to hear some quotes. There's a lot of, uh, you know, journalists down there asking questions and there has been a lot of contract talk and I know this isn't something that all the players are unaware of but we have Connor Williams, Robert Hunt, Christian Wilkins, and Zach Sealer still hoping for new contracts. Guys is there any possibility there could be a little trouble in paradise when you consider the fact someone like Christian Wilkins has been an absolute professional from the start? Could there possibly be other guys on this roster watching this very closely wondering if this guy doesn't do enough to get re-signed, what, what on earth can I do? If he's been a professional since day one, ascended every year, if, if the Dolphins choose to move on from him, what shot do I have? Is there any chance of that happening this early? Or, or can we kind of hold off on this until the season begins? No, I think you're absolutely right. That's a concern that that the front office needs to, you know, address. And Christian Wilkins, absolutely deserving of a new deal. He's going to make over $10 million, almost $11 million this season on, on that fifth-year option. The guy who really, honestly, of the four you just named, who really deserves a new contract right now is Zach Sealer. But he's also the guy of the four that I think is most likely to not get that new contract and and find a new home elsewhere uh, just because the Dolphins have already allocated so much money to that defensive line group with Bradley Chubb getting that big deal with you know, hopefully Christian Wilkins getting that big deal. Cause I think he will. And then you look to, towards the future and Jalen Phillips is also going to break the bank in a year or two when he signs a new deal as well. I think, you know, you got Emmanuel Agba still on a big contract right now. And by all accounts, he's sticking with the team this season. So you don't really have room, you know, once that Wilkins deal gets done, and I do think it gets done, you don't really have room to pay Zach Sealer. And that pains me to say, because I love Zach Sealer. I think he's been a great player for the Miami Dolphins. And I would love for them to find a way to keep him, but I just don't think they'll be able to do that. Now, please, I hope I'm wrong. I hope you can, you can cold take me or whatever, but I hope I'm wrong. I just don't see it happening. Yeah, I definitely think this is a concern because like you guys mentioned Bradley Chubb, I mean, as soon as he got, they traded for him, I mean, they gave him the the bank, Spot right? On, yeah. And when you're, when you're Christian Wilkins or one of those other guys, you got to feel a little bit slated by that. Connor Williams now holding out. I mean, I hope they can come to terms there. So that might rub one of these guys the wrong way as well. So I do think Christian Wilkins will get the bag from the Dolphins. I think maybe this whole, you know, back and forth is more so him side. Maybe he wants to be paid like one of those top, you know, three to five defensive tackles. And we keep seeing those dominoes fall there. I hate that we're going to have to see Zach Sealer walk. And you mentioned Robert Hunt. I mean, he definitely needs to get paid as well because the biggest issue, again, that we all talk about is the offensive line. And if you're not even going to sign the guys that have 
proven that they can play well. I mean, what, what are we doing here? So I hope they figure out a way with this. But again, how slighted are you going to be if they give that money to Dalvin Cook then too? I mean, I, I exactly. yeah, this is definitely something that could, you know, be a ripple effect and maybe rub some of those guys in the locker room the wrong way. Thankfully, it does seem like the culture there, uh, Christian Wilkins, these different guys, they're all about business, right? And they all worry about the contract later, it seems. So um, yeah, I hope it doesn't become a bigger problem than it would you know, for some of those other teams that we've seen it throughout our lifetime. The Tyree kill, we, we did a podcast about his podcast, the good old hat and a hat, but he mentioned how the dolphins are building in the right direction and building in the right direction includes that continuity. So I do wonder if the dolphins don't do something like this, if there starts to be some self doubts or different things like that, they manage the Xavier Howard situation uh, awesomely. And hopefully they can kind of point to that and say, Hey, you guys are going to get paid. You don't have to worry about it. Merrick, you're going under the spotlight in this one because I'm about to throw all the work you do up for debate. We're going to put some caution to it. Liam Eichenberg won the orange jersey, which reportedly goes to the player who performs the best the day before. But Merrick, I got to ask you, based on what we've seen, can we do a little uh, reverse engineering here and say, could these orange jerseys just be like a confidence booster to players who maybe should or have to step up or just need to kind of play a little better? I don't know. That'd be difficult to say. Um, as you alluded to, I do an orange jersey award tracker article every day after the Dolphins finish practicing uh, where I report to you hours after you already found out on Twitter who the winner of the orange jersey award was for the day. Um, and I write a whole article about it, and, and literally tens of people read it. Every, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Actually, for some reason, it, it actually does well. It does numbers. People click it and read it. Uh, so thank you. I appreciate y'all uh, doing that and making me look good there. But but yes, the, the last winner of the orange jersey was Liam Eichenberg, uh, and not for his play at left guard, because he's actually been getting first-team reps at center in Connor Williams' absence. Josh mentioned it. Connor Williams is holding out. He wants a new deal. He's in the last year of a two-year deal that he signed last offseason and he feels like he outplayed his contract and he kind of did um so he should probably get re-upped i think it does happen but in the meantime liam eichenberg has been playing at center or has been practicing at center for the dolphins and apparently he's been practicing well uh no errant snaps so that's already better than connor williams last offseason now he did corral that and was pretty good as the season wore on but you might be right Jake, it might have less to do. I, I love the tinfoil hat, big tinfoil hat guy, but it might have less to do with how well Eichenberg is playing and more to do with the fact that Connor Williams is holding out. And this could be the Dolphins sending Williams a message and saying, hey, listen, buddy, you know, we're willing to give you a new deal, maybe not at the numbers you want, but if you decide you want to keep holding out, we're cool because we got Liam Eikenberg over here in an orange jersey playing country music with the ox cord, uh, you know, all over the practice field here. So uh, I did I did enjoy his music selection more than most of the players who get to pick the music. But two has still got my favorite playlist. He's out here playing Whitney Houston and Cindy Lauper and like all these all these artists close to my heart. But but yeah, you might be right. This could be more of a message than anything. I love your tinfoil hat conspiracy. You took it a step farther, and I am so impressed. Josh, hearing that, what, what on earth are you thinking? 
Yeah, that was kind of my first thought, too, is as soon as I saw him in that orange jersey, or they sent a message to Connor Williams that, you know, Liam Eikenberg's out here outperforming him or something crazy like that. We do got to mention Dan Feeney again. I think 2020 started 16 games there at center, so maybe he could also fill in there. Um, again, he's I hope hurt. they can figure He's out. not practicing. Dan Feeney's oh, not even on the that's, on the field right now. That, but um, that's just the Dolphins' way, though, isn't it? You sign an offensive lineman and they get injured right away or they have uh, Wait, past so injury how, concerns. Let, real quick, I'm just putting this together now. Sorry to interrupt, but you, you bring in Dan Feeney, he's injured. He's not on the field. You bring in Braxton Berrios, he's already being surpassed by Eric Ezukama and, and Robbie Chosen. And you bring in Mike White and Skylar Thompson's outperforming him. Yay, Jets, baby. When you go dumpster diving, you get nothing but trash. Okay, we can we can continue. I, I thought you were going to say we should fire, uh, fly that fire Chris Gear banner over Hard Rock again. No, like, I, uh, I love Chris Gear. I'm just taking shot at shots at the Jets, even though these guys are Dolphins now. Yeah, I, I hope it shows that Liam Eikenberg, you know, is finally you know putting it all together, like X is saying that Noah Igbenogany is. But I mean, we've all been hoodwinked before. I think Eikenberg had the orange jersey last season, if I'm not mistaken. So it is what it is. I did think it was kind of cool. He had one of the Teron Armstead songs on there too on his playlist. So. He was sucking That's up right. a little bit to uh, the veteran there. So always we'll smart. Once the games come on, then we'll then we'll believe it. We got to see it to believe it. Number eight, calling a little bit of an audible here, so we can get to Merrick's uh, rising star here in Devon A chain. Merrick, he is running out of his shoes so far in training camp. I gotta ask you though, can you envision a world where he is ever out there and? Starting is such a tough word to say with running backs, especially with the rotation. You're basing things off um, what the defense is doing. Do you see a world where he can start the majority of games with a healthy Raheem Mostert, with a healthy Jack Wilson? Because I, for as good as he can be, I don't know if they'll really throw him into the fire that early on, especially you consider last year Channing Tindall, Eric Azucoma were guys who kind of uh, had to take a step back in year one. Maybe not right away, but it is a long, long season, 17 games. And absolutely, I can see, uh, like you said, I can see a world where Devon A-Chain becomes that starting running back for the Miami Dolphins. Running back is a young man's game. Uh, if you're going to draft one as high as they did, you know, third round selection, which doesn't sound that high, but for the Miami Dolphins, it is. He was the highest drafted running back since Kenyon Drake many, many years ago. Uh, if you're going to draft somebody that high, you might as well put some tread on those tires. You know what I mean? You might as well use them, especially while he's on this rookie deal. You get four years of Devonya A-Chain as a, as a cheap weapon for your offense. Let's put some miles on those tires, baby. Let's use them. Let's see what he's got. And if he's as advertised, which is fast as all get up, then he's going to fit right in with this offense. And I could absolutely see him, uh, you know, taking some some of these handoffs and 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 you know, running for big chunk gains, running for touchdowns. But I could also see him catching passes out of the backfield, some of these dump offs, some of these screens, which reportedly, uh, you know, Tua has been working on a little bit more and, and McDaniel has been implementing more so into the offense, which is music to my ears. I'm so excited to hear that. I kept calling for that last season. Why aren't we taking some of these checkdowns? And it sounds like they went out and they got a running back who could do just that, and that's Devon Achain. So does he start right away? Probably not, but could he become the starter for the Miami Dolphins pretty early on? Absolutely. 
and all it takes is one of those guys getting injured. Raheem Mostert hasn't been the healthiest running back throughout his career. Jeff Wilson was banged up last year. Um, but I think what intrigues me most is, like you said, Merrick, his ability to pass catch and do things like that. And I remember when I tweeted out the first video cl highlight clip I did, I said he looks like a souped-up car need for speed. That would be the perfect offensive weapon in Mike McDaniel's offense. So when you have that speed, you're adding it to, you know, guys like Tyree Kill, Jalen Waddle, Mostert as well. I mean, you get two of those guys out there on the field, motion one out into the slot or whatever it might be. I mean, then you got him on a linebacker and the mismatches are there for days. So I'm intrigued to see what happens because really all it takes is him, you know, get right in the hot hand, you know, breaking off a big run, catching a screen and taking it to the house. And then Mike McDaniel might start to utilize him more. I do think he becomes, you know, a 10, 15 touch guy, hopefully down the road. I know Jake said probably the best way to get him out there to get him ready for the season is to have him return kicks. And I do think he'll be that guy, you know, at least on kickoffs taking things. So um, this is a guy that's by all accounts, you know, we're not at training camp, but by all the reports that we read, whether it's Omar Kelly, three yards per carry, the different outlets there, everyone says that Mike McDaniel or that Zervon A-Chain has hit the ground running and has been as good as advertised. So um, yeah, I think he could definitely start by the end of the year and, I know we're all going to be targeting him in our fantasy leagues, aren't we? Because uh, he's that young 21-year-old running back that we've all desired for many, many years. I did my first fantasy dynasty draft last weekend, and Jeff Wilson went two picks before Raheem Oster. Now, I know it's dynasty, so things are a little wonky, but when when I saw a Dolphins uh, wide or running back taken and it was Jeff Wilson, it kind of blew my mind a little bit because I do think uh, Moster is going to be the guy. And I don't think Jeff Wilson is the idea of the thunder and to the lightning, but I think he is a little bit more of a bruiser where if Mostert kind of gets hurt, I can still see maybe Wilson being the change of pace back and you have a chain out there early on. So, so that'll be interesting to see. And, and one final note on that, when Raheem Mostert re-signed, he did an interview and he's, you know, spoke about how Mike McDaniel said he wants to pass the ball to the running backs more. So it'll be interesting to see. I, I think Mostert is also a capable receiving back. So they have a good problem at running back. And, and that's kind of the key here. Number nine, Josh, David Long Jr. is already dealing with an injury. All I can do is shake my damn head, right? I mean, we <laughs> didn't we hear he had like a rubber band for hamstrings or whatever it was? I think Mike Vrabel made a comment about that. And here you are. You see him with his uh, – he has a leg. I don't know what the injury is, I guess. I don't know if we've ever officially found out. But he's banged up, missing reps. We've talked about it on countless podcasts about how that inside linebacker, you know, that middle of that Dolphins defense could be um, the weakness on that side of the ball. So to hear David Long, that free agent guy that you just signed who, you know, brings the speed, can cover, can do a lot of things that the Dolphins have missed out of that linebacker unit is already missing snaps. I mean, that breaks my heart a little bit for all the time I spent doing different cutups, but that's just the how's way, right? I remember doing Will Fuller cutups and we <laughs> all know how that ended up. So um, I hope he's back out there. I hope he, you know, can take regain I guess that starting job because it does sound like guys like Andrew Van Ginkle you know some of the other pieces that the Dolphins have in that middle of the linebacker unit still have hopes for Aubrey Miller and things like that could be jumping in and taking some of those reps so hopefully he can get his injuries under control because that was definitely one of the big concerns when he was signed is that he was injury prone and I think he even kind of disputed that but if you're already hurt this early on in mini camps I mean that does not seem promising at all for what the, the season entails. Yeah, and they're not even hitting yet. He's getting injured. They don't even have pads on. They're they're barely doing anything. And I mean, that's the thing, right? Dolphins signed David Long this offseason. Everybody was like, oh, wow, great addition, awesome player. Oh, and they're not paying him that much money to come in. Well, that's because you signed yourself a dented can. And I am just as excited about the David Long signing as everybody else. But 
when you when you acquire a dented can like you did somebody who was often injured you can't be surprised when they get injured again and unfortunately he's already dealing with an injury hopefully it's just something minor hopefully he can move past it and this will be the last we talk about david long injuries uh you know as the season progresses but i fear that this could be a reoccurring problem those those uh soft tissue issues those don't those don't go away easily those linger those those stick around so hopefully just precautionary uh they get him right and he'll be feeling feeling pretty good here soon but uh we'll see i yeah i mean i i don't want this to any way come off of that was a bad signing and that it was a bust of a signing it's just he's put onto the queasy meter a little bit and merrick i, I kind of like your metaphor about a dented can and it's important to keep in mind you you can pop out those dents you know you can kind of pull it out and then look at it in a light where you don't even know the dents there. So I go back to what I always said, someone's injury prone until they're not. Let's hope this is kind of just precautionary and down the road, we'll see him out there, hopefully play the majority of games. And, and we're feeling good about the signing guys. The last thing I have here is a little interesting. It's kind of a, kind of a fun thing to talk about when you're a Dolphins fan that just lost a pick for tampering with Tom Brady. Vic Fangio more or less said that he would have been the Eagles DC if there wasn't a tampering issue. Long story short, Jonathan Gannon, the former defensive coordinator, was talking with the Cardinals the week of the Super Bowl. That is tampering. And there are also reports of that Gannon was criticized for staying in a soft zone for an entire game that let the Chiefs come back and capture another Super Bowl. So guys, we lost Tom Brady, but we kind of got Vic Fangio the same way. So, I mean, it, it kind of makes me feel a little better about, hey, you know, you, people tamper. And if you get caught, I mean, sometimes you can be on the positive side of that. Tampering giveth and tampering taketh away. Uh, uh, but we lost a first round pick for our tampering, whereas the Eagles only had to do a third round pick swap with the Cardinals for theirs. So there's something amiss with that. Uh, maybe an investigation needs that. Maybe Flores can add it to his lawsuit. We'll figure out if, if that can be done. I'm not sure. But uh, hey, man. The Eagles loss is our gain. I don't think anybody's going to be shedding any tears for the Philadelphia Eagles uh, who have, you know, maybe the best roster in the entire NFL who just played in a Super Bowl last season, who just won a Super Bowl a handful of seasons ago. You know, I think he can give us this one. And Dolphins fans, we're happy to have Vic Fangio. He seems to be happy to be in South Florida, uh, you know, especially once that weather changes in the Northeast uh, come September, October, November. He's going to be real happy that he found himself uh, in Miami, Florida. Uh, how do you feel about it, Josh? How do you feel about this whole report that that basically the Dolphins were Fangio's second choice, it seems? Yeah, I'm going to be honest. I kind of love that he was so, you know, honest about things, right? I mean, a lot of these coaches would have, you know, I, that rumor never happened or, you know, just kind of brushed off the side. The fact that he was completely honest and said, no, I probably would still be in Philly, but um, I, I don't care what it took to get Vic Fangio here. I think there's a SpongeBob gif where he's like, that's kind of how I feel about the whole thing. I, I don't care how he got here. He's here now. He's locked up. He's that head coach on the defense, and we know what the expectations are. So um, thank you, Philadelphia. I live in that county, you know, that country. You guys have had success my entire life. You know, friends and family love the Eagles. Thank you for uh, giving us this gift because, um, you know, it could have been so easy to watch him go elsewhere, and we'd be settling for I, I, don't, I don't know who else. We would have kept Josh Boyer or something crazy like that. Gross. And, 
And there's a big key here is just because he said he might have still been in Philly doesn't mean he doesn't want to be in Miami, right? This is a, a front office that made him the highest paid defensive coordinator in the league, deservingly so. And I, I love the point that um, was made that the fact he's being honest, right? You need guys in that locker room, coaches, players, everyone needs to be honest. Uh, players appreciate that, coaches appreciate that. So, I mean, that, that's just kind of nice to hear that, hey, there's there's no BS happening here. And he's always kind of been that guy. I think there was a game following that they lost to the Chiefs, I think, when he was the coach of the Broncos. And he was asked, what's the difference? And he straight out said quarterback. And, you know, he kind of walked it back and said, I'm not trying to hate on anyone. But when you have Patrick Mahomes on the other side, quarterback's a big deal. So having a straight shooter like that is actually pretty refreshing where you don't hear that coach speak. Guys, before we wrap up, we got 10 headlines from training camp out of the way. Final thoughts. Uh, my final thought is this was a, a, a beautiful gift to the listeners out there, an extended episode, nearly an hour of the best Miami Dolphins talk you're going you're gonna to find on the interwebs here. Uh, yeah, I'm going to toot our own horns. Is that weird if I toot your guys' horns? I think it's fine if I toot mine, but if I'm out here tooting your horns. You can toot good? mine. All right. All right, cool. As long as as long as you guys agree that I can I can start tooting, then that's what I'm going to be doing. Tooting all day, baby. Toot toot. Yep. It it might have something to do with that sauerkraut that I just consumed throughout the entire oh, episode. <laughs> yeah, you're the JHI sipping on. I should Photoshop that for the podcast. Yeah, I'll have your face in that JHI picture with kraut juice in your hand. I, I might do that. I, I might have to. Um, Funny thing is, nobody knew about that if they were only listening to the podcast until we bring it up almost an hour in. But if you're watching the YouTube feed, if there will, if there is a YouTube feed, then you've just seen me going to town on this sauerkraut until it was gone. So. Yeah, I think that's my biggest thing was I'm just a little bit sad that, you know, we now have, what, a month? Uh, I guess it's a little over a month law between now and when uh, the Dolphins are back on the field. But um, it gives us time to kind of do our book clubs and things like that and get our feet set for what should be one of the most promising seasons that we've ever experienced. So hopefully, guys, enjoyed this podcast. Hopefully my kids weren't too noisy. This is probably the worst they'll ever get with me having all three kids <laughs> running around. Baby literally fell asleep listening to me give you my takes so hopefully you enjoyed it and hopefully we can continue to bring you some of the best Dolphins content no the best Dolphins content on the internet two whoop, whoop. two four another Dolphins podcast for American Josh I am Jake Mendel thank you all so much for joining us and until next time fins up fins up baby fins up Cause we're the Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one. Yes, we're the Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one. Everybody, Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one. 